0: Stuff like that silence thing, and then just throwing yourself into the deep end and actually being present in the conversation and having uh, a current kind of subject matter of what you're talking about, lends itself to a better produced podcast. What's going on guys? My name is Adil Constantine,
1: and this is the Process Mindset Podcast and I'm here with my co-host Genki Hagata. What's up Genki? What's up? Not much on this podcast, we focus on the process. So each episode, we pick a topic, and we dive into the process of it. And today we're talking about the process of starting a podcast. How many times did I say a process? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so get and I we're talking about this, uh, this uh, episode and, and this topic, because we kind of wanted to share like what we learned so far, but then I was like, you know what? We know a guy. He's a great guy, and he, the podcast is his thing. He's a super talented individual. Um, he was a professional recording engineer in Atlanta, Georgia, for four years. Then he jumped and he became a senior video editor at Chive for four years in Austin, Texas. After that, he decided to quit and pursue his passion, and he started the most amazing podcast. I listen to it on a regular basis. It's called Passion and Progress. Please help me welcome. Javier Mercedes, what's up, Javier? <sighs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? How's it going? I'm doing swell. Dude, awesome. it's so awesome to have
1: you here, man. Um, I, it was it was definitely a pleasure meeting you last year at Vid Summit. Um, and we kind of like formed a squad, if I remember.
0: The dope squad. The dope squad. That's right. <laughs>
1: it was uh, me, Genki, you, and Felix.
0: Oh, and Jen. And, and we can't, forget, Jan. Jen. can't yeah. forget Jen. Can't
1: forget Jen. She's
0: awesome. What a, like, group... Uh, I guess this is a little insider, but what a group of creative individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, like... It's like a creative explosion.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like everybody has a different thing that they can bring to the table. Um, and that's what makes a Dope Squad. We just kind of complete each other, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Cool, man. So, um... Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, kind of give us a a background about yourself. I know I kind of touched on it briefly in my intro, but um, I'll let you talk about your 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 background and how you got to where you're at today with uh, passion and progress.
0: Yeah, so I'll try and do like the the shortest brushstroke of <laughs> my my past that it pertains to what you guys are trying to get to. So in the beginning, what I did was <clears throat> I wanted to basically do as much creative stuff as I could growing up and that all started from if you've ever seen any of my podcast episodes online you'll notice that there is a uh, there's three gaming consoles behind the guests there's a Nintendo 64 a normal Nintendo and a Super Nintendo and the reason I love those consoles and I was actually just binge listening to chiptune music before i hopped on this podcast (laughs) is uh when i was little i would take a radio and this is the old cassette tape radios and while my brothers were playing video games i would put the cassette tape up to the tv i would hit the record button on the cassette tape and record them playing the video game but what i would do is i would ask them to stop playing and just so i could record the music and then i would Uh, walk away from the tv after they would get done with the level and for this instance let's say something like mega man and i I would walk away and then i would take the tape recorder into like the closet and i'd be like that was level three with boss so-and-so uh and do my own radio shows on cassette tapes that's amazing i (laughs) i Yeah, I have uh, I have about four cassette tapes still called Goobs Tapes. I'm actually thinking about if I can track them down, like just making that something like for my Patreon, like get the exclusive Goobs <laughs> Tapes, my radio show from when I was like two years old. I'd Dude, love to I would get uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fast forward into college. I went to school for audio engineering. Um, during that time period, I went and... Each summer, I made a point to get a internship that was paid, or I, I made an effort and I told myself I wanted to get an internship that was paid in the field that I wanted to eventually be in. So that manifested itself in two summers at a place called Interlochen. And for those that don't know what that is, it's basically a, it's like a Hogwarts, but for child music prodigies. And if you were to like walk around there, it, it definitely looks like that. And it's a, it has about seven to eight different concert stages. And you get a lot of experience doing live sound. So I got to day in, day out, hustle my butt off doing live sound uh, material. First summer, I was just like a stagehand. Second summer, I came in and I was the lead tech there. And what I did uh, was have like a team of like 16 other engineers and we would help with the traveling acts that come through and these are people like the like a dave matthews band or a Styx or cheryl crow um people like that wow and yeah it was it, like for a college gig it was really good <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it, so fast forward i got my live sound experience and if you go to school for audio engineering there's definitely two paths that you can take it's it's live sound and uh recording engineering and those are like two pretty clear paths obviously there's a whole offshoot of other things that you can do but uh just to get a general overview of things i wanted to do the live sound thing and i got that experience and then one summer uh, i went to atlanta and i got an internship over the summer at a professional recording studio and as you alluded to in the uh my intro it, it was my first internship and it did uh for a recording studio and Right off the bat, I it was a forty-hour a week job, but I got to uh, be in the studio. Obviously, I'm just like the guy getting the coffee and everything. But these are the people; these are the recording engineers behind. Albums like Britney Spears, Smashing Pumpkins, I mean, Usher, all of these other recording engineer individuals. And to be surrounded by those kind of people uh, on a weekly basis was like super inspiring. So fast forward, I get my audio engineering degree. Uh, Then I move to Atlanta the day after Christmas and I... Eventually, after like four months, I built up enough of a freelance thing going on where I had about five different uh, clients where I could like each week somebody else would be calling me up. Like I, I took my live sound experience and I was then stage handing for bands like um Coldplay and my very first gig when I got into uh when I got into Atlanta was Red Hot Chili Peppers was doing a concert and I was able to get a freelance gig just like stage handing and helping set up the stages for them and right off the bat I like (laughs) it, it was it was awesome like straight out of college getting to surround myself with that kind of um upper epsilon talent and again this is like your low totem pole type of stuff like uh fast forward a little bit more in that regard i'm now meet the now love of my life and when you do something like that uh they're like hey where's the steady paycheck coming in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like huh man yeah it would be it would be nice to have a, a, a steady like oh i know this paycheck's going to be coming in every single week so i looked around for audio gigs and i was going to go and work on a cruise ship um and for carnival cruises the guy like talked to me and he was like oh my gosh you're like the perfect candidate can you come like next week kind of thing and um I was like, cool, I'll do that. So I went to the recording studio that I'd been freelancing at, at this point, and I just wanted to give them a heads up and say, hey, so by the way, I'm going to be leaving um, and I'm not going to be able to like be on call for you guys anymore. And Unbeknownst to me they were just like give me give me one second and they walked out of the room there It it was a co-owned studio and they came back after like three minutes and they gave me a job offer there in Atlanta So that led to me uh, recording uh, post-production For like I got to work with uh, Morgan Freeman. I got to record Katy Perry. I got to record uh, the uh, President Carter's audio book funny story one of the audio engineers got a Grammy there for recording President Carter's first audiobook. He came back to our studio because he obviously he had a good experience. I got to record his next book. That one didn't get a Grammy. After <laughs> I had since left the studio, he came back and recorded a third book and he got a Grammy for that one. So oh you right. could <laughs> So <laughs> I was like, what the heck? But uh, um, other cool people that I got to work with were. For the for a whole summer, I got to be the main audio engineer for the Property Brothers, and I just recorded all of their post-production ADR and VO for Brother versus Brother, uh, the Property Brothers, nice. Property Brothers Buying and Selling, and where we're getting to, their podcast. There's a couple oh. other radio shows that I recorded while I was there, but those came and went. And just as a little side note, I will say, like, like a couple of the coolest people working with while I was there was definitely um, Dr. J. I got to record his audiobook. The Property Brothers were awesome. Um, obviously Morgan Freeman was really cool and uh, Jason Bateman was was a pretty cool dude too. Uh, but fast forward, uh, my brother, it was starting a family in Austin, Texas. And uh, now uh, my wife, Sabrina and I wanted to start a family. We didn't want to raise them in Atlanta. And I was just like, cool, let's move to Austin, Texas. My brother at the time worked for Chive Charities. And I was more, wanted to go more on the freelance kick once we moved to Austin. And once we got to Austin, on the drive there, the Chive offered me a job. It just so happened when I got there, um, I started to get into videography and they were like, "Hey, we just have an entry-level like videography thing if you want to do it." And little did I know that the chive was then ramping up their media department. So at that time, uh, the chive already was a very well-known name in the blogosphere. But they were ramping up their media, the the visual content stuff, and I was there on the forefront. So it was just me and another guy. Uh, fast forward four years. And eventually, it got to the point where it was like a department of like 30 people. And I had um, like three to four other video editing engineers underneath me. But uh, while I first got there, they made this remark that they were like, hey, we, I think we're going to start a podcast. And I was like, oh, well, guess what? You're in luck. My whole degree and everything that i've been doing before i came here wasn't video it was actually i was an audio engineer and they're like oh cool well i guess you're the guy then so we ended up recording 94 93 episodes of the chive podcast and one of the things with my podcasts is i do them all in person uh except like i think one or two and there's a couple reasons for it but where that really stemmed from was the chive podcast my my the actual the co-founder and Big boss of the chive was one of the hosts and bob phillip um, One of the senior editors for uh, The the galleries was the other host and <clears throat> they made a big Effort to do all of their interviews in person. So this meant that To give you an idea our third guest in was mark cuban. So wow. um, within uh like a couple weeks of working at the tribe i was sitting in mark cuban's like man cave slash office just courtside of the dallas uh mavericks so that working or getting to record him and like just spend like i want to say like i don't know two hours with that guy was amazing and even though i'm just like in the corner like Hitting buttons and everything. I will say one of the coolest things about Mark Cuban is He treats everybody in the room with the same amount of I, 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 The only respect. word I can think of. Yeah, thank yeah. you respect. So when he's talking to everybody He's making eye contact with the hosts but I want to say that he's making the same amount of eye contact with me during the actual interview. Like if they ask a question, he's like addressing me as well. And I think that's that's probably one of the reasons why he's where he's at now. But I, I like even in the walking to the room, like the security guards, like the janitor, everybody spoke so highly of him. He's a really cool dude. But I learned a lot doing the Chive Podcast and obviously the videography side of me and video editing side um it, for those that don't know i do a video podcast so I, I film every single one of my podcasts as well and i learned a lot just doing the audio portion of the chive podcast i mean you're if you do 93 episodes of something you're gonna <laughs> bound to learn some things and then mm-hmm. but there's there's wasn't filmed i always wanted to film theirs uh their podcasts but it just wasn't like a priority to them in terms of sponsorships and other things of that nature like that machine had already been built for the audio podcast and yeah. getting to the video portion obviously I learned way more real quick uh during that um during my I guess tenure at the chive and while I was still there, I did start this thing called the Passion and Progress show. And if you look back at like the very first episodes of my show, what they I was kind of setting the groundwork to leave the chive. And one of the reasons why I like doing all of my interviews in person is because I've it's a system in place for me to network and also get out of like just editing and making video tutorials and the occasional vlog if like if you were to follow me at all I'm I have to like go out and go to places to <laughs> get these interviews and everything so it gets me out of my comfort zone to go do this material hence probably I I want to say the idea behind my podcast is probably the reason why I'm talking to you guys right now I mean the I wouldn't have met you guys at Vid Summit if the podcast wasn't in place and things of that nature it's it's weird because when I first started my YouTube journey I wanted to do uh, video editing and uh, like videography tutorials and now even in the numbers on my views and everything on YouTube, it's kind of weird because the podcasts kind of get the same amount of views as my tutorials at this point. And what I was afraid of is like the the videos and my, my tutorials and the podcasts are like two kind of separate things. But over time, it's just like, if you just keep doing it, then people, Catch on to well, he's the guy that does the podcast and the videography stuff. I think I, that's just my assumption, but um, yeah. Hopefully, that was <laughs> that was a, a short enough way of explaining that kind of stuff. But uh, where do you guys want to go from there?
2: Yeah, no, I I, I want to come back to the idea of doing a podcast that's you know also audio and then on your YouTube channel because um, well, we'll get get to that in just a little bit. But I kind of wanted to touch on you know where you started for podcasting in general, right? Like when you you obviously have an audio engineering background and all that kind of stuff, so you kind of know the technology, you know what recorders to use. Um, And I imagine when the Chive podcast started, you kind of had all that equipment available to you. Um, But when when you started Passion in Progress, was the equipment you're using then just kind of like stuff you already had because you kind of come from that background, or were you it was there a progression from like i want to get it started so i'm just going to use what i have to like this is the absolute best stuff to produce a quality show
0: great question and this is where it's it, it's a culmination of both but this is where kind of i guess having the connections pays off cuz since i've worked in the field i've i yes i've had the equipment um available to me to use. So in the very first couple episodes, I'm actually borrowing the microphones. I'm borrowing the recorder. I'm borrowing the cameras and everything because I know I'm like doing this on the weekend or I'm doing this at like 5 a.m. I think thank, thank you to all of the guests that I wanted to record at that time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm like recording it before work or after work or just during times where I know we're not going to be using the equipment. And I'd already been working at the Chive long enough where I was like I had the power to be like, hey, I'm just gonna go use this equipment real quick. Uh, but what was amazing and speaks volumes to the staff at the Chive is when I announced that I was leaving and I announced why I was leaving to go pursue what I'm doing today. They, um, I asked, like they were gonna give me my computer, uh, at my like my laptop, and I kind of already had an okay laptop to do editing and everything on. So I said, instead of giving me my computer, can I get the, can I have like two of the podcast microphones? Because by this time they stopped doing the podcast and they were like, nah, we're not going to let you do that. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So they gave me my computer, but on my way out, they, uh, they threw like a little happy hour and, um, John, the co-founder of the of the chive came in and he had two of the podcast microphones with like these two, um, bases and uh, like the gear that I needed. he's like, here you go, buddy. And he, they, they gave me the microphones, but I will say, that's I, had, that's awesome. I, I, <laughs> this comes after, which I, I, this isn't that bad of a thing. This comes after I was, I had a flight booked to Atlanta and I was gonna record a series of podcasts there. So in order to record those podcasts, I knew I wanted to have the gear and I knew I was really serious about doing this podcast. So I knew I was gonna buy the gear anyway, because like I'm gonna be using it for whatever importuity. And that's the thing I love about audio gear. It doesn't lose its value as much as video gear does. So I was like, True. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this. I, I bought the microphones, I and I had them shipped <laughs> to Atlanta, and then they told me I was gonna get the microphones. So I was like, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> thank you. So I had to when I got to Atlanta, I had like a surplus of microphones and other gear, but um, I just sent that back, and everything was hunky dory. Cool,
1: dude, that's awesome. So they, I mean, just to be clear, they handed you
0: the SM7Bs, right? SM7Bs and um, the, I have a video on my channel about microphone stands that uh, in the microphone stands that I was using were these Gator uh, yeah microphone stands, but uh, I have switched, I still use Gator microphone stands, but instead of the heavy like brick ones, I have these mm-hmm. circular ones that don't give you as much flack when you're going through TSA. Cool. Um, I mean, that's
1: that's awesome, and I'm not gonna lie, you got lucky by them handing you those um, sweet microphones. Yeah, sweet, yeah. Actually, but- just recently, I was I was looking at these because I wanted to, you know, upgrade my microphone to the uh, Shure SM7B. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even like you said, even when I looked them up, like used, they're. Pretty much same price new. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the good. So, that's the thing about being in the audio realm. Everything keeps its value because unless. So right now, I, I also use the H6. That is one thing that I did purchase. I purchased the recorder, but the thing is, unless there's a paradigm shift in how you can uh, get footage or the files from your recorder to a computer. So right now, it's an SD card, right? everything still takes SD cards. And then there's like a way to go from SD to probably USB or whatever it is in the future. So the only thing that will make my Zoom recorder obsolete is if I can't get the files onto a computer. And even at that point, there's probably going to be something around that's something similar to the H6. But the fact that the XLR technology, the the wires that you connect into microphones and microphones themselves haven't changed since the beginning of time in audio re- regards, uh, helps when you're <laughs> making investments into audio gear. Yeah. So for everybody out
1: there who's, uh, you know, looking to start a podcast, um, I mean, I have a couple idea about budget microphones that they can use, but I was just curious if you have anything that you recommend as budget microphones.
0: Uh, so this is where it, I, I deal more in what I've heard on the Internet and what I and I can g- relate more to what I've experienced. And, um, but just know that there's probably other people that use those microphones um, on a more consistent basis that can give a, a better idea of it. Just because, like I said, when I already, when I was in, I mean, I mean, I was like in a professional recording studio and then I moved from that to at the Chive, we had the Shure SM7Bs. So I'm, I, I had access to higher quality equipment. So I was, a, that's just what I was accustomed to using. But I will say if you are really serious about podcasting, You will not go wrong by purchasing a Shure SM58. And the reason I say that is because this is a microphone that has lasted the test of time. If you were to go to any concert anywhere, there's going to be a Shure SM58 there. And I would bet my life on that statement. Yeah, I've actually looked into those. Um, They're they're very highly... um, um recommended by by a lot and it's i think it's like a 100 bucks yes it's um, exactly a 100 bucks so what you but the thing is if you're doing podcasting you have to get a uh a foam filter definitely get a foam filter and for those that are really into podcasting if you listen to tim ferris's podcast that guy keeps it super simple obviously his podcast is super uh successful and he just uses a sure sm58 that's all he does and he has that in uh, his zoom h6 it's and it keeps it super simple but well I what I will say is the whole podcasting genre, some people don't even want to spend in not that they should even spend money on an audio interface. They just want to go straight into the computer, and that's where if you I, I don't know what the microphone is, but it's just I think maybe Genki you have it. Um the the one for uh if you look up Pat Flynn he's it's the one that he recommends all the time. Is that the Blue Yeti? No, not the well that's another that's another one that a lot of people have. But to be honest, I don't I just don't like. Blue makes some amazing microphones, but all of their consumer ones, I just don't like because... And it's not that I don't like the sound of them. It's when people purchase those microphones, they think that they can just put them in the room and then you're going to get like the best sound where if you're doing something like a podcast, you have to get that microphone closer to you or else you're just going to sound really roomy in in your podcast. And right. you have to add a whole bunch of noise reduction to that. So what I would say audio technica atr 2100 Yep, that's the one i'm using the whole reason i'm bringing all of this up is because it can connect the usb that that just that in of in and of itself the fact that you can go usb and it has the audio out like look if you just want to go straight into your computer do that like don't buy all of the equipment especially if you're not if you don't think you're into podcasting then like test it out and get the cheaper microphone definitely go that route don't don't drop all this money on really expensive equipment. Yeah, I
1: I mean, I got my ATR2100 back when I started um, doing just gaming videos on YouTube, so I wasn't looking for, like, anything crazy. By the way, what I do like about it is that it can do USB and it has XLR. Um, So, currently, uh, for the podcast, I'm using XLR going into a a Focusrite um, audio interface, and... It, it, to me, it just sounds better with XLR than um, the cheap USB cable that it comes with uh, but mm-hmm. another cool thing, like you said, it does have a, an audio out, so if I want to, I can plug in my headphones to it so I can hear uh, myself um, i just I know some people do that, but I can't do that i can't listen to myself
0: talking <laughs> you know you know the crazy thing about all of this is is anybody in I love that at this point in the podcast saying something like this. So if anybody could really recognize the difference between how my voice is sounded and yours, then does it really matter if I have a Shure s m seven b or the audio technica? Because, like, like I'm listening to you a deal, and it sounds fine. like it sounds like it sounds amazing in my headphones. So why like that's the whole um that's the whole like you can look at specs and talk about stuff all right. day, but if it just sounds good, then, then just go and with mission that accomplished. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Very good point. So I kind of want to jump back into the process of creating the podcast, not on the gear point. Um, but right. You were talking about flying out to Atlanta and flying all over the place for these podcast recordings that you've set up, um, which is kind of different, I think from a, a lot of other podcasts that we see, right. Most podcasts have a set studio, um, and a few times guests come over or sometimes they have call-ins, um, but you kind of put in that effort to go face-to-face and meet your guests where they are. Um, what's it kind of like booking those guests and kind of scheduling them out and figuring out travel and and all that?
0: Well, it, 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 it's funny because it came out of necessity. Like <laughs> when I started, I here's Javier Mercedes chilling over here with less than uh i i want to say i know i had less than a thousand subscribers because when i first left i like my main goal was to get a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours watch time so i i knew I, I i think i may have been like at 400 subscribers and in the grand scheme of youtube like what guest is going to be like hey come over to my place the other thing too <laughs> is uh, uh not having a set place to record so after i left the tribe i was just using chive studio to record my material but now I ha- I took a long time to figure out like where am I going to record my stuff and how like what is going to happen if I have people over to my place to record I don't know cuz my first podcast have this really professional look because it's done in a professional studio I have like studio lights and all this other stuff going on and now it's just chilling in my my computer room Genki's Gen- 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 seen it I have uh, but <laughs> But the thing is, I, I had to get over the whole, like, if I invite people over, then they're going to know where I live kind of thing. Yeah. And just, yeah, like that whole concept, because f- for real, I was I was thinking to myself, well, the more and more you do this, the more and more you invite people over, the more and more people know where you live. And like, I have a family and all this other stuff. But then you, you eventually get over that, um, or I did at least. And so the very, at, at the beginning, it more came out of just not wanting to just have everybody that I had on the show come to my home. Uh, the other part of it, too, was I was recording people. And for instance, uh, I recorded Leo and Tiffany Rezig, who started Resign Wine. And I wanted to record them in front of their their wine fridge, which they are very well off and they have this amazing wine like it's definitely the centerpiece of their home it's this like glass wine fridge thingy i don't know what you call those (laughs) either do i uh yeah yeah it was like a wine cellar but it's like it's part of their living room weird interesting so I, I I interviewed them in in the in the background of their interview the whole time is just all of this just huge wall of wines so that that definitely adds the appeal to it. The other thing too is my wife travels a lot for work and uh, we just had a kid, so we were going to be traveling because you know, right when you have a kid, you want to like show them off to all the family. So since I was traveling, I was like, well, it's mixed business with pleasure type of thing. So we would leave to a place and we would go visit family in Colorado. Well, I have a whole stint of podcasts with a whole bunch of guests in the Colorado region. And then I used to work and live in Atlanta we have friends in Atlanta, we were going to show off uh, our new family member in Atlanta. And also, my wife travels there for work often too. And obviously, I built up my contacts in Atlanta. So I travel to Atlanta often and uh, just go down my list of people that I would love to have on the podcast and go record them there. And then just like with you, Genki, when I went to New York, For the uh, Creators Offline thing, I went a week early and just set up as many podcasts as I could with different people around the New York area, which manifested itself in like me touring um, Yahoo Finance. I got to see where um, Facebook was in New York and then uh, interviewing uh, all the a couple of different people at CBS News. Uh, uh, And that's kind of where that really stemmed was. When I, we would go travel to a place and since my wife can kind of work from anywhere and we were just like going to visit family members and other things of that nature, I would then take the time to go and find other people in that place. And I will say, it is, in the beginning, it was much harder for me to get guests in Austin, Texas, because i had an infinite deadline what i would i i think one of the biggest things i learned is when you have an established deadline when you're visiting these cities it all of a sudden puts like a sense of urgency on the guest like for some people when you book them they'll be like okay like 2 to 3 weeks out and you're like what <laughs> uh so but when you tell them like hey i'm only going to be there during this time they make it happen. And and not only that, but like for some of the interviews, they happen in like really cool places. Like I was in Colorado and uh, they... One of my friends that I used to work with at the Chive reached out and when he heard that I was in Colorado and he was like, oh, hey, you should interview my friend. And I was up in Colorado Springs and his friend was in Denver. And I think that's like an hour drive, two hour drive, something like that. So I I drove down there and I didn't know anything about this guy. And it was this restaurateur named Andrew Tyler. He owns two restaurants uh, called There. But even in his podcast, I learned that by the time he was 25, he was managing like a 10 million dollar beverage company underneath uh, Nobu, and I didn't even know what Nobu was, but I definitely know what Nobu is now. Um, Like, just it it was cool learning about different people, and it kind of comes back to that core thing of getting out of my comfort zone and going and meeting people, and not just being behind a computer making videos all day, which I do love doing. Don't get me wrong. And I love editing, but the, the whole side of the podcast, even if, uh, even if for some of my podcasts, if I were to go interview someone or go do something and it doesn't like, it's not really uh, like beneficial to whatever is going on, it's still like, it still creates more for, I think both the person that I'm interviewing and myself, on a relationship uh, basis than whatever it means to have views or anything, you know. So for like yeah. that particular guest, y- your friend was just like, "Hey, go talk to this
2: guy," and without any research, you kind of just like jump into an interview. Is that kind of how that, yep. that situation?
0: Let me tell you. Let me tell you how that works. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I was super stressed about all of my interviews, uh, especially like the one that I had with the co-founder of the Chive, uh, John Resig. Uh, among a couple others and if you want to listen to my worst podcast i think in my opinion it's with the uh the founder of Yellowbird hot sauce and i like tried to do as much research and do all of this stuff to just get to like have a good podcast and it just like it falls apart <laughs> uh, because I, I like i sounded like a machine and the thing that changed me and i think I think it's a great podcast. Um, there, there's a podcast out there called Optimize Yourself. And you guys... Uh, well, I know Genki probably knows him, but I, it may be you too, Adil. Uh, do you know Jeff Barch of Story yes. Greenlight? Yep. Okay, yeah. so I, I when I was in L.A., and I was doing a tour of L.A. When I went to uh, L.A., that, w- that was just like me on the drop of a dime going to L.A. Because one of the, my favorite YouTubers said that he would do a, um, a podcast with me, Colin Ross. And I was like, okay. He said, yes, I'm going to go out to um, L.A. and do a, a whole like a tour of L.A. And <clears throat> But while I was out there and I was going out there, Jeff Barch uh, contacted. Or I, I was trying to do one with Story Greenlight. And then he sent a message back and he was like, hey, you should do a podcast with this guy. And it's this guy named Zach Arnold. And he is, I didn't know it at the time, but he is the editor of Burn Notice. And for anybody that's um, YouTube fans, he he edits. The most recent thing that he did was Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So the, all of those things. And the crazy thing is with his podcast, uh, he had the same mindset he did this guy's really smart he's like super smart he did all of this research he had all of these notes and i know from when i would have notes if you fill more than a page you're not going to get to those questions uh and then he had his first really big guest it's the guy that does p90x who invented p90x oh yeah tony horton is his name tony horton yep he gets on he, he gets tony horton on his podcast He does the podcast, and for his show, it does like amazing. Like He gets lots of downloads and everything. But the thing is, during the actual podcast, he is interviewing him, and he would ask him a question, and then the guy Tony would answer, and then he would go immediately on to the next bullet point. He wouldn't elaborate or deep dive on any other questions or anything of that nature. And he listened back to the podcast, and he was like, man, I just sound like a robot during this. And uh, I myself, when I was interviewing him, I, there was a point when I froze because I like I knew I had more questions, but I like I couldn't find him on my page. And he was like, <laughs> I think I'm I think I left this in the podcast. But if I didn't, then here, here's a little insider. <laughs> he, he, we He was like, it's OK, man. We got up, and he's really into fitness now. <clears throat> we got up, and we started like shaking our uh, like our arms, and he like showed me these like little techniques and everything, to like get my brain juices flowing. And then I sat down, and then I like it just clicked, and I like I could just ask him the next question. But the big thing that he um, he talked to me about, and that blew my mind, was he didn't prep any of his interviews after Tony Horton and the whole concept of his podcast is optimize yourself. If you listen to his podcast or if you listen to the interview that I did with him, you'll learn real quick that this guy is super efficient. Like one of the most efficient people you've ever met. And he has like a system in place for everything. And when I talk to him, about his podcast and how he does it he was like i only spend about an hour and a half on each podcast and that's including the actual interview that's including the actual interview so so obviously he outsources his editing and other things of that nature but he has this system in place where he has like this 30-step thing that once he gets done with the podcast, he just sends it off and then it just gets in motion. And then by the time he sees it again, he get all he has to do is look over the show notes. Maybe he listens back to it or whatever he does. But all he does is just hit publish. Like he does the interview and then everybody else on the back end just like takes care of the other stuff for him. But that doesn't really play towards what I was getting at. It's the, the prepping for the interview. Now, what you would do is like, what he told me is if obviously when he's interviewing somebody that's a new york best time seller or something like that he's gonna read their book or he's gonna watch the movie that they made or whatever it be you know but and he might like jot down some bullet points but he doesn't have any questions like prepared and that's how i approach every interview now i like uh, just when i interviewed you genki i just um Went and I watched your YouTube channel, and then I was like, "Cool, I have the an idea of what you're up to." And then I much rather have. And uh, I love how he put this in his interview when he went to interview the next like really big guest, or maybe it was Tony Horton. Um, his his PR people were like, "Can you please send us your questions beforehand?" And Zach's response was, "I don't do interviews. I have conversations." And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, he has conversations. Cool, we'll just do that. So yeah, so I go to. Um, sometimes it nips you in the bud. Sometimes it doesn't. But I, with the amount of work that I have to get done, and I know, work can be subjective because you can sub like you can do as much as work as you want to and be busy and all that stuff. But with the amount of material that I want to produce. I cannot spend the time prepping all of these questions and going through all of this stuff uh, because it just it I can't like it would degrade the rest of what I want to accomplish on my other content. So, <clears throat> from that day forward th- that interview forward, I've had so much more of a stress-free time doing my podcast and I, I literally just like now I just throw myself into the deep end with each podcast. I have a conversation and I will say this. If you run into a spot and it's happened on, I, I would say it happens maybe every like sec- two podcasts that I do, I will run into a spot where I just like the the question that I want to a- ask, you can you can tell that the, qu- the conversation is coming to an end or the, their talking point is coming to a stopping point. And you're like, uh, uh, what's, what am I gonna say? What am I, what am I gonna ask him? What I, what, where do we need to jump off from here? And then what you do if you don't know what you're gonna, what, to do? You just start talking and just to fill the gap. And then by that time, you're already like 30 seconds in. And then when you get into the editor, you have to like try and find a way to, uh, like, get, uh, take, take out all of the likes and all of the other stuff and try and make a seamless cut. And then by that time, mm-hmm. you've already spent five more minutes editing and. Oh my gosh, the thing that he told me was just like, just stop talking. Wow. (laughs) And then, and then, and then think of, and then think of your, the thing that you wanted to say. And I kid you not, I, like I said, this happens to me maybe like every other podcast. I will get to the point where I'm with the guest, we're in the room, and they got done with their statement, and I will just tell them straight up, please give me a second and I will sit there in silence and I will think of the thing that I wanted to say because it's so much easier to edit that crap out than to me diverting the situation and then all of a sudden I ask some question that I didn't even want to ask but I just wanted to fill the void and it just it it doesn't lend itself to being efficient so I would say one of the most important podcast that i had interviewing wise was with zach arnold but i think that's from a personal perspective just because from what i learned experience wise uh interviewing him i don't know if other people like listening to him would get the same from that podcast but i would highly suggest uh just checking him out at optimize yourself because it's when i was deep diving and listening to his stuff it's it's not a whole bunch of like platitudes of Wanting to just tell you happy-go-lucky, go go out there and crush it type of stuff, which is awesome. But he gives you like nitty-gritty actual things to help you become more efficient. And I think stuff like that silence thing and then just throwing yourself into the deep end and actually being present in the conversation and having uh, a current kind of subject matter of what you're talking about lends itself to a better produced podcast.
1: Right. <clears throat> no, that's a that's, that's a great, great advice. point. Yeah, that's a great advice. And a lot of times, like, I know I sometimes get flustered because, like, I feel like I need to ask a question or, like, move on to the next step, but then I don't know how to transition that. But then I get flustered because... I don't know I feel like I'm I'm live <laughs> but I try to <laughs> remind myself I'm like this is not a live radio it's not like I'm live on Twitch or something like that that take my time you know um, the guests will understand and then basically kind of you can do a retake like you can start your question and then if you realize that oh it's not coming out right like pause and redo it again and you can just tell the guests all right a second a second take and then that way um like you said, you don't have to go and post. And when you're trying to like edit your conversation out, trying to make it, you know, somewhat fluent and smooth, but then at the end, it just comes out kind of choppy. So, um, but, and another point too, like, I'm just trying to think of somebody who's starting out with a podcast. Um, most likely you're not going to be able to get to that level right away. So by having some kind of an outline, uh, for yourself and don't get too detailed on the outline just so like you don't forget some of the main points that you want to hit in your in your episode but then you're still in room for a conversation um, until you get to that level where you know like you said you can just kind of like you don't need to have something prepared it can just kind of feed off of the conversation and run your podcast interview that way
0: yeah, I, w- I will say, obviously, you have to have a general idea of what they do. Like with the guy with yeah. the tour, I uh, obviously I'm just when I got into that podcast, I had more questions because he's the first guy that owned a restaurant that I was interviewing. So in my mind, I'm curious uh, from a higher level of. What does it take to run a restaurant? What are the like what yeah. and he actually deep dived into when they first built the restaurant? Like, how does the menu like how do you start a menu? That kind of stuff and all of the decor and what was what went into trying to purchase everything for the restaurant, that kind of stuff. And then once you start hearing the hear them talk about whatever that is, then that just gives you a through line to ask more questions about other stuff. But having a, a curious mind and obviously don't just like go up to some... Well, I, actually, that'd be an interesting show, just going up to random people and be <laughs> <just laughs> trying to ask them what what they do and get a feel for uh, their their passions uh, right there you off you the go. bat. <laughs> There's but a podcast yeah, idea for you. I, I, w- I will say the... Uh, the silence thing is a complete, like it just, it just it's a huge freaking dagger just like going straight into your temple when you first do it in a podcast, especially it's completely different too when, when you're in person because it just, it's yeah. so awkward, but mm-hmm. I can tell you it, it just, it helps on the front of. I think it shows the guest that you are serious about what you're doing and you like that you want to ask the right thing or talk about the right thing, whatever whatever it is. i I don't think sitting there in silence is a way of um oh, what's the word I'm like look, looking for Be, like something weak like, like they it, it shows that it's I think it's a stronger thing. And also with silence, I will say. Uh, I mean, it's a little different with internet interviews because you can mute your microphone. But when you're in person in, I know it could be the hardest thing when somebody says something about like, I don't know, like just like uh video game systems. If somebody were to bring up Nintendo game systems during an interview, like randomly, Mm. I would be, I would want to be like, oh man, I love NES. And then I would want to jump off from there. But the problem with that is is if you cut them off in the middle of their idea, the listener is going to get so ticked at you because they were in the middle of finishing out whatever I, like point that they wanted to make. And then if you railroad their, their whatever they wanted to talk about, then that could leave the listener. It's like reading a book and then not getting to the end. So... I the the concept of sitting there and let the guest uh talk through their idea is really good. The other thing that that uh, opens itself up to, and this is what Zach did to me, um, is the longer you sit there in silence while the person is talking, the more the person wants to fill the void of silence. So like right now the longer that you guys are silent, the more that I wanna to continue to elaborate on my idea and go further in that. But the, the crazy thing is, is when I was like interviewing Zach, he's obviously telling me these tips. So he knows like when he's getting to the end of a thing, he has like body language and all this other stuff that's like, I'm going to be ending my statement right now. And he would, he mm-hmm. would like end it and I'd be like, eh. from my standpoint, I was just blown away by all the things that he was saying. So I was just like, what? Okay, let me think about that really quick. Next question. But the sitting in silence while the other person is uh, talking is a really, I think, beneficial thing because it doesn't... First of all, it doesn't... um, It makes it more efficient when you're editing the podcast because you don't have to edit out all of the um, interjections yeah. if there are some. And then you also get that point where... The guest, if they are uncomfortable with the silence, they start to elaborate on their ideas even more just to fill that silence. And then that's when in that elaboration, you might get even more than what you were thinking of. And it gives you uh, that's where also it gives you a chance if you are trying to fumble for something to say or something to um, reciprocate off an idea it gives you even more time to think about it and you don't have to fill the void with you trying to compensate for that silence.
1: Thank you. are Taking a
2: silence. Yeah. I'm just being silent over here (laughs) to drive that point home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now everybody's going to be like really paying attention to that. The other thing too is, um, I, I would say probably most podcast hosts or other hosts in general do that thing. And they'll, especially if you're doing it in person, They'll, like stare at you and like kind of nod. I'm 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 doing this podcast as if you guys can see me right now, but they're like they'll nod their head or they'll they'll <laughs> yeah. acknowledge what they're what you're saying, uh, but they'll just like keep staring, and then you'll keep talking that that whole thing.
1: Right. Yeah. That's why I, I try try now and then like at least I'll put in a laugh or write. That's cool. Like good point. Like just kind of a little bit of feedback, <laughs> just because we are not in the same room. Um, because I don't want you to feel like, uh, are these guys still there?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, because if what's I, and this is really elaborating on the topic, but it's what that does, though, is if you weren't to give me any indicators, what would that mean to me? if you didn't give yeah. me any indicators, like what uh, Genki just did right there saying, yeah, uh, if you didn't, me. oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> if, if, uh, if you didn't give me it's any funny. indicators there, then I would be like, oh, wait, maybe they didn't get what I was saying. Maybe I'll, I'll I, I need to explain that a little bit further. And that's where it, it plays out more, you know? And yeah. I will say for my podcast, uh, I do what you guys are doing. Like right now, I, I would like, I would acknowledge, I'd be like, yeah, okay. And I've really cut down the amount that I, I say that during a podcast, but I I, I still say it. But uh, now if you go back and listen to my podcast, I don't put my microphone in. I, I cut my microphone. So if I do say yeah, or huh, mm-hmm, or any of those things, I'm really low in the background. And it sounds like I'm like in the corner of the room because I don't, I turn my microphone down and I don't put those uh, uh, or those acknowledgements into the audio. Now, sometimes I will just because the guest says something and it just makes sense for me to uh, to have an answer to their call. But for the most part, it just makes it easier in editing. And I think it makes it more palpable on the listener to just not hear my yeses and uhs and mm's all the time.
1: So, right now we talked about gear, we talked about the podcast, and we talked yeah, about Yeah, as a listener, the someone who's <clears> behind podcasts the scenes of the what time, you do, how you totally schedule um, you know, your guests and, and all that stuff. That continuity of the story that someone's telling, talk about the next step, which is a very It's more seamless after you record your episodes and publish them all. Yeah, which uh-huh, is marketing. Like, yeah, totally. What's your podcast marketing strategy?
0: Uh, Well, this is where doing a video podcast gives me a competitive advantage over audio podcasts. It's because it's visual and it also is a detriment to my podcast, the audio form of it. If I were Mm -hmm. to give the assets to someone of my podcast and by assets, what I mean is after I finish a podcast, before I built my website, I would have the cliche thing that probably most podcasters are familiar with is after you set up your podcast and it's syndicated you're like download the podcast on all of whatever thing you listen to podcasts on just like it's there okay don't (laughs) it's on spotify it's on google Podcasts. it's on itunes it's on stitcher it's on soundcloud like when I first got into podcasting, I was like, what the heck is all this? Like, why is it this way? And then after I learned about the history of podcasts, I, I kind of get the reason why um, podcasts they are the way that they are. I kind of like it for it. But with the YouTube thing and having my podcast filmed, everybody knows what YouTube is. Not everybody knows what a podcast is. My little sister didn't know that my podcast was free. Um, and, like, For a really long time, actually, and but that's just that's just to give you an idea of like people there's people just don't know what a podcast is or some people do. Obviously, the people listening will know what a podcast is, but the the amount of people that didn't know, I I just didn't know that. And now that I know, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. That um, I had this assumption that like hey, just like download it on iTunes. But there's like a lot of people that just don't know how to do that or that they don't want to take the time to do that. And they think that it's it's a big barrier to entry. With YouTube, like everybody shares videos all the time. So the great beneficiary of doing the video podcast is that i have that asset i have the visual content i can post little mini clips on instagram people can see it constantly uh on their feeds i can share the video and then if people want to listen to the podcast they're like oh hey it's right here and then they all all they have to do is like send a link off youtube but if you were to send a podcast link it's like do you have a spotify app on your phone Well, I I know like probably my parents don't have Spotify on their phone. They don't have they don't they're not going to have the podcast app on their phone. Um, So that's where having the YouTube helps. But to grow an audio podcast, you're then deterring the people to come to the audio platform, and where podcasts, I think, really trump. The video realm is, especially with YouTube, is if you're subscribed to a podcast, anytime you come out with a new episode, it is automatically, at least with the iTunes um, podcast app, it's put onto your phone. Like I publish a podcast and you wake up and then all of a sudden you see this little notification and, oh, hey, look, that podcast is on your phone. With YouTube, have fun with that. (laughs) Uh, i publish i publish a video and then it probably goes out to three percent of my the people that follow me you know so that's where uh it's a it's a double-edged sword so i have the whole shareability of my podcast and i can see like they can do well in search that's another big benefit it like i have podcasts that didn't do very well in the beginning but over time they still get like two to three views a day and that compounds over time but it also like if you i don't know on average if that's two to three over like a hundred days maybe two of those people want to look for more of the videos you know that that's where it it helps but the real winner here is that I'm I'm on both. So if you just go watch it wherever or go listen wherever you want to. Uh, and where it also helps is having a website. And that's a whole nother deal, um, marketing it. Where when I would do an episode, people would ask me like, oh, where do you want, like, wh- what's the link? Can you send me the link? And I have the YouTube video and I filmed it, but I'm kind of like, Recently, I've, I've I've kind of been more on Sarah Deechi's level, where she just makes all of her video podcasts on a paywall, and then just doing the audio portion. I think that more stems from the fact that my video podcast takes a, takes so much more time to edit, and it takes so much more time to post. Like today, when I uh, made my one for Buttery Bros, I edited in most of the time i'm up on tuesday night like to like 2 or 3 a.m doing uh editing the podcast to make sure that i can hit um, export on premiere before i go to bed because i'm screwed if i don't Uh, that means it's going to take like another two hours or three hours once i wake up if i did not finish um uh, editing the podcast that's where doing a video podcast really sucks it's the it's the export times um and lo and behold i wake up and i noticed i spelled uh one of the guests names wrong on their instagram handle and then i also uh the audio was off by a couple frames from our speech like the actual visual and that's just like my heart sinks when i see something like that so for the most part every single wednesday i come out with a podcast right but some wednesdays it's just the audio one And sometimes I have to hold off on promoting my podcast because like today, I started promoting my podcast around like 1 p.m. Normally, I'm like at 8 a.m., like 9 a.m. I have all my assets and I start promoting the podcast then. But I had to re-export my video portion of the podcast, redo all of the, um, the assets and everything because all of the audio was off. And... It's that's when I just really hate Premiere Pro. <laughs> uh, but um, the, so to give you an idea, after I hit publish, I make an Instagram version, uh, some sort of highlight, and then I try and like. At this point, I've been trying to make more Instagram versions and. The crazy thing is when you're doing a video podcast, you could probably chop a podcast and get maybe like 10 to 15 more pieces of content out of that podcast. But all that stuff takes time. Like if you were Gary Vee and you had the the team underneath you, I, like that would be awesome. Like for me, yeah since i just came up on a year of doing the podcast i want to go back and i want to um i want to make like a podcast episode where it's like 52 quotes from 52 people over a year of doing the podcast so, something like that you know but that i that that's me listening to my whole library of podcasts and i know it would be beneficial for me to go back and like start taking all of the other content in all of those podcasts And making all those highlights and I know it would be a great marketing tool and it would do so well but like how much money does the podcast make me right now (laughs) 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 so there's this other thing called like bills and everything so I like just to give you an idea I'm right now I like after we get done here, I'm gonna go back and I am in the middle of doing client work and I have to get this cut to a client tomorrow. Then I'm flying to Sacramento for another client to do another uh, to do another gig, and during that time, I still have to get out. Uh, I try and do two YouTube videos in between each podcast, and um, I still have to edit the other podcast. And this this next one I'm gonna put out uh, next week is i think pretty special because it's on anti-human trafficking and I like I, I went down to uh, dallas to um film and like actually like film them training doing all this stuff like they were like they had the the mock-up rooms and all that kind of stuff um so i like i want to do a good job like making the assets for that to bring awareness to all of the what's going on but that's like that's all things in the future to take the time and go back through all of my podcasts, that's where it just doesn't, like I don't have the time to do it, but I know it would be beneficial from my marketing standpoint. And not only that, it's like you're sitting on a whole mountain, a year's worth of hours and hours of content that you could break up into mini chunks to uh, further the rest of, I guess, like the um, the social numbers and all that other stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of people on instagram or even making highlights out of the youtube where i know some people just they don't listen to podcasts, but there's like, just like what I was talking to you, I, and I keep referring back to this podcast, but the one with the guy, uh, Zach Arnold, like how many of those sound bites did I bring up in this podcast alone? But if nobody's listened, like that was my 18th podcast. Nobody's going to be going um, to my podcast unless I talk about it a whole bunch on another podcast, <laughs> go listen to my 18th episode of my show. Right. And I know like that. And I just told you how much that I learned from that podcast so i know if i went back and uh highlighted a bunch of different things it would definitely help but it just like it just takes too much time so <sighs> really long answer i post i know I, <laughs> I, I post the I, stuff right there I, yeah I, I post the podcast um and i make a website i it took me a really long time to develop my website but now i at least i have a, a, a template so now in my template <clears throat> when you go to a Uh, a podcast episode the youtube video is front and center and then underneath that youtube video is the itunes spotify and google play (coughs) uh and stitcher links the thing though that i am wanting to change is really like is one if i want to keep the youtube thing a part of it then yes keep that youtube video front and center because that's just the thing that people know how to play But I don't think Lipson counts the other... um, I know it has specific statistics for Spotify, but I don't know if it counts Google Play Plays, and I don't know if it counts Stitcher. So to me, when I want to gather information on the plays and everything and actually funnel people to a platform... It doesn't make much sense if I want to approach sponsors in the future if I keep up the Google Play uh, link and the Stitcher link on my stuff. Now, there's also the argument for path of least resistance. If people are on those apps, then obviously, like, I want to have that available to them. But uh, yeah. if you go and you analyze other people's websites, and I'm going to reference like Sarah uh you hers is real sneaky super sneaks go to one of her episodes go click on it and it's her itunes emblem like subscribe on itunes or listen on itunes is like real front and center and then there's like a little icon somewhere where it's like and the rest of the podcast but you have to click through to it so if somebody really had um another app that they like listening to it on then they could go like, they would find that and, act like, go through and do it. But she's she's super hard on pushing um, iTunes. And especially, like, if you looked at her highlights on YouTube, it's like, subscribe on iTunes. And I at this point of my podcasting career, I know why. It's because that's what all of the sponsors and everybody is looking at. So, um, right. the more you have... The podcast in other places it detracts from there. What I will say, and I'm just going to keep rambling. What I, what Google, what Google <laughs> is doing now, and where it will help podcasters, and it, I guess it gets a leg up on the people that, like my people like me that post my video podcast to YouTube because it does help with the SEO and search. Google Podcasts now is, uh, I think, in May they are going to start um, putting podcasts in search so the uh, transcript if it can pull out the information and think it's beneficial to whoever's searching for a thing it's going to showcase that podcast caveat is you have to be on google Podcasts, which to those listening if you are doing podcasting is different don't get it confused with google play Google Play, I I don't know, I don't I know, I don't know if that. Google Play, um, what they're gonna do with that because Google Podcast is like a different thing. But Google, so Google Podcast, like, there's a whole set of stipulations that you have to have in order to do that. Like, you have to have a website. and like each episode has to have its own thing. I mean, I can't speak for it, but yeah. Um, and just the other day, I was trying to figure out like, am I on Google Podcast? I remember I did a whole bunch of things. Like, I better be on Google Podcast. I want to get up on that SEO.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually just googled it. <laughs> um and I see the top stories like just the headlines. Uh one of them says um podcast episodes episodes will now show up in Google searches. Um another one says Google podcast can finally auto download new podcast episode which is what you were talking about earlier with iTunes.
0: Yeah. This gets into a whole ordeal of what the future of podcasting is and what platform will like kind of surpass iTunes if anyone does. I really love Spotify for what they're trying to do uh only because of what I see with YouTube. So for me I see the potential in Spotify in sponsors where let's say you just get, you just get big, like you just get good enough and big enough where you just start getting a passive check from Spotify, just like you do with YouTube because they're running ads on your show that aren't Ah. people listening on premium, but there's also YouTube red. Like you get that, you get that revenue. So people that are listening with premium, you get that share of that. The crazy thing to me, though, is if people are listening to my content on Spotify now, like, where's my check? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what any of those numbers are. Like, <laughs> like with YouTube, you can at least see and get analytics on that stuff. With Spotify, I can check Lipsyn and I can like see my my numbers, like what my downloads are and things of that nature. But for from my standpoint. I think it's cool that with Spotify, they have a system in place to automatically serve up ads against your podcast. And that's one of the detriments of the podcast platform right now. And I think one of the things that's cool, and I, I believe this to be true about Libsyn, is you can actually insert, you could record a ad and then insert on your back catalog. So if I were to uh, do an ad about clean feed, the app we're using right now to record this. I could say, I, if a sponsor was to approach me about that, you could have them pay for one episode or you could be like, Hey, you could pay for this one episode, or I could just give you the option of putting this ad on every single podcast that I've released for a week. So, anytime somebody wanted to go listen to anything in my back catalog, my ad would be served up before they listened to it. Now, you can kind of do that with Uh. Libsyn, but you can't, like, that's not a thing with podcasting, right? Think about YouTube when you're like, it's just taken care of. Like, it ever you play a video, it goes up to auction, and then it's highly specialized. They target you, and boom, you for me, it's probably a whole bunch of stuff about Squarespace and, and like become a cool here's this master class on Timberland or something like that, you know? So, yeah, that's where I think Spotify could really change the game because they already have the system in place to serve up ads against your podcast and you don't even have to do anything about it. Now, whether or not they would actually allow podcasters to get any of that money, I think could be crazy because like nobody's paying them right now. So why? And I, I say that because I don't, maybe once you reach a certain threshold with Spotify, they actually do contact you and start giving you a cut of whatever ads are being served against your uh, content. But I don't, I don't know. Um, and then The uh, with Google Podcasts, that's where, um, what could be crazy is because they are in search. Maybe that's the thing that overtakes iTunes. Because, like, once you, you are able to search for the podcast and it's not bound by a small group of people at iTunes and Apple kind of selectively choosing what is served up to you in those feeds then it could kind of like change the game you know that i mean obviously that's what google is trying to do with google Podcasts being available in search so uh i mean for podcasters obviously competitions breeds awesomeness so for me right now just because of wanting to grow as many passive income streams as possible it, it would be cool if Like Spotify had some sort of thing that was clearly set like YouTube where like if you get a thousand um, subscribers and 4000 hours watch time like on YouTube, but whatever the podcast equivalent is of that, then you start getting, I don't know, a cent a month from Spotify because (laughs) they they served up some ad, you know, that that's that's what I want it to be.
1: Now, before we go into anything else, I just want to, um, for some of the new listeners out there that are new to, to podcasts and interested on how to start a podcast, because we did mention a couple of things like Libsyn, you basically need a, a host, you need a, a place where you can upload your, your audio files and those that can get distributed to the different podcast catchers through RSS feeds. So uh, not only you need the gear to record your podcast um, and obviously your strategy and basically if you're going to have guests or not, but then at the end, after you're done editing and all that stuff, you need a place to basically upload those, those files um, to be hosted and, and shared. Um, so I just wanted to say that now you're using Libsyn. We're actually using Simplecast. It's one of those uh, newer ones, and actually, I like it so far. It, it's got pretty cool features. It's got analytics like we talked about, so it kind of gives you the, the downloads and um, what's uh, top performing, what's a good time of day to you know publish your, your podcast and all that stuff. And it's got a couple other features like you can generate uh, a video over the audio form, uh, waves, I should say. Uh, for a clip from your podcast that you can use as a teaser it's got that built in it's got a couple other things like you can if you have uh, a manager or editor or somebody who you want to kind of give access to be able to let's say fill in the the details for your podcast or upload pot you know uh, the uh, the episodes on there um, you can manage that it gives you like a, a pretty generic website by the way this is not an ad for simple cats. I just really like the <laughs> the, the platform.
0: Yeah, I, I will say all those things that you said sound automatically better than Lipson. <laughs> I, I think uh, oh, really? so. with Lipson, <laughs> they definitely have the option of like you people can come in and um, like you said, if there's a manager editor like that's available, but everything's in paywalls. So. If you want to get sure. advanced, and I have like the second version, like whatever, there's like the, the cheapest one, and I think I have like the second cheapest one or whatever, um, like the second tier. Maybe it's in like three tiers, but you have access to, for me at least, I have access to all the stats that I need. The big thing though is um, space. You're paying for space. Yeah. Like for Lipson, yeah. the more you go up in your tier, the more space you get in. For those that don't know, uh, they it can fill up really quick if you don't know how to compress your podcasts. But it that's neither here nor there. I the reason why I went with lipson is because uh when I was at the Chive Podcast, the main person that I talked to and sent all of my audio files to, I didn't know anything about the back end. I was just sending, I would make the audio file. I would edit the the piece and everything, but everything that went into publishing the podcast, I didn't know anything about that. I would send it to another person at this place called Podcast One. And Podcast One is, okay. uh, I, I think they would be considered, I don't know what the proper term for it is, but they have like an affiliate where they like, they just have a whole group of people that are underneath the podcast one name. These are people like, um, Adam Carolla, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, like a lot of the big wigs in the, um, in the podcasting world. If you go on the pod, if you go on iTunes and you like scroll, if you look in the corner, any podcaster that is a podcast one podcaster, you'll see the little emblem, um, down in the corner of their, their, uh, artwork. But the main thing that she, uh, the, the lady that I would send these files to, uh, when I started podcasting, I asked her, Hey, I'm getting into this. Where do I start? What do I like? What's I, since I was thinking in the future, I asked her like, Hey, what, with your experience, after a while what i don't want to get caught with my whole library on a podcasting um the platform and what i mean is the uh, the, uh, the syndication and what you own your rss feed i didn't want that program to be like something that was going to give me bugs in the future and i guess they mostly use lips in there and the reason is is because of that feature that i just talked about where you can make your whole back catalog Get insert um your ads, and I think that's that's worth that's probably worth its weight in gold literally because you <laughs> can tell your um your whoever wants to advertise on your podcast that hey you could uh, obviously this is thinking way in the future um that you can insert an ad on the beginning or middle of your podcast and have it go throughout the rest of your catalog so if anybody listens to any of your episodes they will get served that ad then that helps you because you now have increased the amount of people that you can reach and then thus probably increase the percentage of returns on investment on their end uh but don't like i haven't used this feature before it's just something that i that's been told to me so at, anytime somebody asks me about this i'm like well you use lipsyn because of this not only that but i i, I like using Lipson just because it's it's like easy from from my standpoint to like upload stuff but i will say they don't have an app I literally tweeted them and I was like, where's the app? And they, they, (laughs) they tweeted back with a little mean face and not like as in mean at me, but like they were mad that they didn't even have an app. I was like, what, like you're, you guys are like the number one (laughs) program that everybody uh, uses, but I think it's probably because that's like all of the really successful podcasts started like five years ago, 10 years or not 10 years ago, but like, they started a long time ago when there wasn't as many of these newer podcasting programs and apps out. And it takes a lot for. If you were to tell someone to like move their whole library, like that's a big maneuver. Like if, imagine approaching yeah. Mark um, Marin and just being like, hey, you want to try out our app? Well,. Do you think Mark Maron wants to take the chance that he's gonna like accidentally hit a button in whatever on the back end, like when he switches his podcast? Or let's say he he switches it and then all of a sudden his stats don't transfer over or like it's it's a big deal to switch the the thing over. So it's it's it if just choose something in the beginning. And I think what a lot of people in, use Lipsyn and why they use Lipsyn is because it's been tested over time. But it's also, I think there's an argument to be said, it's just a lot of people use Lipsyn because a lot of the most successful podcasts just have been using it for forever. And that's just what they use. Like the the fact that they do not have an app baffles me. And that they, like there's nothing like the YouTube creator um, studio app, like where you can go check your analytics really Really quick, like just like even if there was right. something simple as like, oh, what are my downloads today? Like, what? <sighs> I hope anybody that's an engineer that's listening to this is like, oh, my 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 ears are tingling with ideas. Like, hi <laughs> lips um, yeah. Genki. <laughs> um,
2: all right, cool. Well, that has been a deep dive into podcasting. Um, I think we covered a lot of ground there uh so at this point javier where can people find you and learn more about the things you do i think we
0: covered it but just for the one more time <laughs> uh on all the social things i'm at javier mercedes x most of the time most people reach out through dm on instagram if you're into instagram uh, but anywhere um if you go to my website javiermercedes.com there's a contact me thing there too but If anything, if you want to check out my podcast, it's Passion in Progress Show with Javier Mercedes on all of the podcast platforms and YouTube at the same time as you, as we have talked about. (laughs) Um, And let me know, let me know how it sounds. If you, if you guys listen to it, if you guys watch it, I'm always curious to get feedback. That's the other thing I will say that's nice about having YouTube videos of your podcasts. You get the comment section on other podcasts uh the audio form it's really hard to get uh ratings and everything on your podcast and even if they do give you those it's not on a episode by episode basis that's a great point
1: well i do want to congratulate you because looking at your itunes i see 27 ratings and they're all five stars so that tells you something people congrats <laughs> thanks yeah congratulations
0: yeah thank you guys so much for uh, having me on the podcast by the way
2: yeah absolutely man it was a pleasure 100 percent. well that does it for this episode of the process mindset podcast thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for listening all the way to the end if you found this podcast enjoyable or valuable in any way please share it with a friend and if you happen to be on your phone noodling around or on your computer somewhere near iTunes, do us a favor and please drop us a review at iTunes. It really helps us out and helps other people find our podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Process Mindset, And you can find deal on both those and all those platforms at Adeal Constantine. And you can find me at GameQHead.com. Until next time, enjoy the process.